0: Mike Douglas is Michigan's retirement coach.
1: And I'm Heather Branch here with Mike to talk about what you can be working on now, an effort to better prepare for your financial future and your retirement years. Lifeplanwealth.com is where you can go to begin your own conversation with Mike and his team. Again, that's lifeplanwealth.com. As we dive right into one of our favorite conversations, our beloved comedic stand-up, the mutual love that you and I both have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When was the last time? Can we talk a little bit on mic, clearly, transparently about how I I was just surprised about how you're you're just not that into like going to concerts and really even listening to music? The spoken word.
0: Yeah, I'm a information junkie. Um, no, so for whatever reason, music... I enjoy playing music. It's so
1: funny because you're such a musician. How long have you been playing piano?
0: Uh, since I was 18 or 19. Okay. So okay. I mean, I was oh, you I was learned a,
1: piano later in life, then. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, I took nine months of lessons in uh, fourth grade, and I hated it. Okay. And then I didn't pick it up again until college.
1: Okay. But now, but now you not, play piano and guitar.
0: Oh yeah, and I was a jazz piano performance major for two years, <laughs> with vocal performance also right. as a feature. Right, I know you sing
1: because this is all you do all this stuff for your church. Um, Still do church it. Church band, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just don't like to listen to it. Uh, so, so
1: weird. I, I yeah. cannot wrap my brain around it. And music
0: okay. has always been a um just like a weird thing that fits in this weird puzzle piece in my life. I mean, again, I don't listen to music out of joy. I rarely listen to it in the car. I listen to podcasts and information or books. Got it. But I've also, I, I still to this day, playing a band. And so I enjoy doing that, you know, some, the occasional weekend warrior hustle, you know. Mm-hmm. But even that, it's more about the camaraderie of friends getting together and just playing some music. Uh-huh. But it has very little to do with the music. It's just the the love of each other. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird, it's an enigma. I taught myself piano, learning um the fractions and the relationships between notes. Yeah. And once I learned um that, you know, how half steps and whole steps worked. And then I learned that four half steps plus three half steps is a major chord. Oh
1: my gosh, you're such a math nerd. I love
0: it. such a nerd. Yeah, it's basically like a musical spreadsheet. (laughs) But
1: that's good because you're a financial, as a certified financial planner, financial advisor, retirement planner, like we want to know the math nerdiness about you, sir.
0: Oh yeah. And so from there, once I learned that math of major minor chords and scales, I just would sit there and play them over and over again. And then eventually when I figured that out, then I realized the guitar is like a sideways piano. Oh, my gosh. And frets are just half steps. So it was all just...
1: One of you know, these days, I want to hear about you taking a stand-up comedy class. Just, you know, get outside your comfort zone a little bit. Since you love comedy so much, I feel like you should yes. d- should get into that a little bit.
0: Well, you know, it's the spoken word. That's it. That's I, I was going to say, the spoken
1: it. word is your yes. audio consumption. That's how you yes. choose to consume and be entertained. All right. So stand-up comedy shows, you and I both love going to see those. You've got four littles, though. So I know that there's a lot of, there's not a lot of ticket Getting there's more Netflix watching, but <laughs>
0: and I live in mid Michigan, <laughs> right, right? So right. there's not a lot of huge venues that here too. that you know people come play.
1: There's that too. But one of he, Nate Brigatti has just recently just shot to the top of comedic yeah. fame. Mm-hmm. And his perspective on things the reason why he's so popular is because perspective is so relatable. It's like all the things that all of us are already thinking, we just don't say out loud. He says them out loud. Yeah. so thinking about the paperwork that we are all required to fill out and the loathingness that we have towards (laughs) all the paper we had to fill out for our physician's offices Nate Bergasi, he too had some thoughts
0: I like my doctor, the one thing that drives me crazy, every time I go I have to fill the same form out and I'm like, what are y'all doing with this form (laughs) they always ask what your family medical history is where am I finding that out You think I'm just at home at Christmas? I'm like, all right, who's got diabetes? (laughs) Come on now, got a physical coming up. (laughs) How many heart attacks we got in the
1: room? So Nate points out what a lot of us probably have not yet taken the time to do, which is to sit around, because I was thinking about it. I know that I've got family history of this, that, and the next, and I have not taken the time to sit my parents down and ask them. Even like me, one-on-one with my mom and dad, I should... No better about family history.
0: I struggle with my own medical history. Right. Like they're they're like, What surgeries have you had in your life? And I'm like, You're I've like, never had one. And they go, Wait a minute, no. I broke an arm when I was thirteen. I had to have pins put in. Oh, okay. Yes, that's one. Okay. Oh, I have my tonsils out.
1: There it is. There's another. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. There's another that one. That all oh, counts. I, oh, I had th- it's, like, it's like, holy crap, I've been under quite a few times in my is. life. Like, what's wrong with me? And then like, I'm thinking, why can't I remember these things?
1: So, right, because it happens sporadically and few and far between. If you're generally yeah. a healthy person and any kind of surgeries you had have been minor, you don't really factor them in. You're like, no, I've never had surgery, because you think about open heart surgery, that kind of thing, or a cancer battle, or that kind of thing, right. something that's very traumatic and life-altering.
0: Not tonsils when you're a junior in high school.
1: Exactly. But, the whole, right, nobody needs to know your family tonsils console history, Yes, <laughs> but thinking about our longevity and the risk that is involved with things like family history, that's just one factor in our longevity risk. When working with folks who come to you who are saying, okay, here's all my money, here's all my savings. I got to figure out how I'm going to live through retirement the next 30, 40 years after I leave my job behind. And mm-hmm how do you even begin to calculate and factor in and plan for, I mean, it's the great unknown, right? If we all knew how long we were going to live, you probably wouldn't have a job, Mike, because it's like, okay, it's much <laughs> yeah. easier to plan for that end line. But G- when you don't that have crystal a crystal ball, real right, quick, I right, just right, need, sure. yeah. magic eight ball. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you don't have that definitive answer, where do you start?
0: Well, it's interesting. There are so many things that factor in. And when you're trying to research longevity, and familial longevity against your own, you'll find studies that say it's extremely related. And then AARP put out one that said it has about a 10% relationship. Like your parents' longevity has about a 10% relationship to yours. Only 10%? Really? That was AARP back in 2018 or 2019, I believe. Okay. And of course now through... Post-COVID, all the actuarials have changed. All these rules have changed. But yet, we're kind of getting back towards regular. Okay. So it's really challenging to factor it in, especially when... And actually, now that we're talking about neighbor Gatsy, mm-hmm. he has a great bit about how his parents' and grandparents' generations would smoke on planes. Uh-huh. And he always... He has a great bit where he's like, why'd you guys have to smoke on planes? You couldn't even wait? That's how the clouds probably got up there, you know, and all this stuff.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: And so he's doing this great bit. But the fact is, what people lived through and what life was like for them... It dramatically affects some things. If you yeah. had someone who grew up in West Virginia over the last 50 years and they worked in coal mines, yeah. you should be able to throw that actuarial stuff right out of the window. Like their longevity has nothing to do with yours right. sitting here in Lansing in an office. Right. You know what I mean? So there's been some other weird things recently. Young athletes having heart issues. Uh, there was a study that just came out the other day. Oh, gosh, it was such a funny one. Because here's what I think about it. research. Yeah you can kind of make it say whatever you want. It's yeah. like a spreadsheet. Like yeah. I can I can twist a spreadsheet to say kind of whatever you want to say. And so there was one that came out recently and said that because of overexertion, that uh, if you don't work out, you're likely to live 10% longer. Like that's this, this the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. You know, <laughs> right. I could, it, you know, it probably came out from like a video game company's uh, research, but <laughs> we um, encourage
1: that couch potato life, everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah.
0: you can kind of get it to say whatever, but here's the thing. If you look at your health yeah. and you look at the relationships, like my family um, has very diverse backgrounds. We're a military family. We moved around when I was a kid. I was born on the Dover air force base in Dover, Delaware. And my dad was from Maryland. My mom was from Delaware. Mm-hmm. My mom's family, owns a huge chicken farm and they had hogs and all that stuff for a long time. But I mean the commercial chickens like thousands and thousands of chickens at a time. Yeah. And so living on site on property that presents some different health issues. Um, You have chicken and chicken stuff all around them and the smells and the gases and everything else that comes with that. Yeah. We always call it smell-aware because whenever you go to my grandparents' house, you have this very distinct smell the first time you open your door. You can smell
1: it before you can see it, yeah. Oh,
0: man. (laughs) And we're like, oh, we're here. And the kids go, it's (laughs) smell-aware. And we love it there. We love it there. But just there's a particular smell we don't get here. I know. And then you had my dad who lived 45 minutes away, and he lived in the city in Salisbury, Maryland. Yeah. That at one point, back when cell phones had brownouts, Back in like the early 90s, cell phones would have these brownouts where if it was in a high crime area, they wouldn't work, uh-huh. which actually seems counterintuitive, like right. it should work really well if you're in a high crime area. Right. But so uh, Salisbury was a brownout area. And so it's just a wide range of stuff. So the areas you grew up in, your lifestyle, your health trends, those will all lean. So you can look into your life and you can say, no, I've lived a healthy life. I've eaten a certain way. I've exercised. I've done these things. And you can project that, see how it maxed up against your parents or grandparents And that can kind of give you some clues towards what your future may hold, you know, and these are all conversations that you have to have because a lot of times we think of longevity. Well, my parents, my grandparents, and that's where we stop, but we talk about the lives they lived, the things they did. Did they take on smoking in the, you know, early on because smoking was at that point very social and acceptable and all those things. Mm -hmm. You have to have that. And we have the conversation with people. You know, I know we're going to talk more about this, but when people go to we use Life Plan Wealth as our website, there's a button on there that says start your retirement roadmap today. Mm -hmm. We start asking these questions of you that you don't know to ask. Mm -hmm. Why did your family look like this? Why does your health look like this? Why did your parents and grandparents health look a certain way? And that's where when they click that button, we have the conversation talking about it, because even in my own family. I mean, again, my grandparents lived 45 minutes apart, didn't know each other uh, until my parents got married. And my grandfather, who was really Canadian, then moved down through the northeastern states, he got Alzheimer's at age 80 and lived to 88 with it. And my grandmother took care of him. Okay. And generally they say the caretaker takes it worse than the person being cared for. Yeah. But not her because she was a stubborn old Irish woman. and
1: God love her. And
0: so she'd be out gardening in the long skirt and the leggings because she was a minister's wife. And so she would garden in the heat of the East Coast summer in a long, long dress and like a sweater. And she canned everything. But all the food they ate was from their garden. Mm-hmm. And so she was canning and preserving and doing all these things. And so she lived to 90-something. My grandfather passed away at 88 Then just a few years later, my grandmother, who was from the chicken farm, Mm -hmm. she developed a a brain tumor and had a lot of health issues. And a lot of it, they they thought it was maybe tied towards living on the farm. Got it. And so they had that. And so she went through that for several years, in and out of homes, eventually ended up in a a facility. And she passed away actually on Christmas Day 2010. It's a very memorable Mm -hmm. day because my son is the first great grandchild on my mom's side. And we were flying out for Christmas. My grandmother was very sick, and we caught a flight on Christmas Day to get out there, and there's a snowstorm, and we get to the Baltimore airport, and this snowstorm, this blizzard, has basically shut down all of the uh, rental car companies, uh-huh. and there's no cars back in. And so we're sitting there with a two-month- old baby, and this and there's lines everywhere. and my dad keeps calling me saying, "Hey, you better hip and get here. Uh, she's not doing well." And I'm like, "I'm two hours away." at a rental car place in a blizzard, like there's nothing we can do. Right. And so I'm sitting there, I'm getting frustrated. And Kimberly starts going around from desk to desk at every single rental car place. Because in Baltimore, you get shipped away from the airport to a rental car like building.
1: There's not like onsite lots. No, Got you it. get on
0: a bus and they take you to a rental car facility that's okay. offsite. Okay. And so she goes to every counter in this whole place, explains our whole situation. yeah, And finally, after like 45 minutes, she gets some car dealership that we don't have a... A rental with. We don't have a reservation with them. We have uh-huh. someone else, and there's no cars available. Yeah. She gets them to give us a car that has just come in, has no gas, it hasn't been cleaned, hasn't been certified, nothing. And she goes, I don't care. His grandma's dying. We got to get out of here. So then we get this car. The three of us, the baby, <laughs> baby Gavin, and and Kimberly and I, uh-huh. we get in this car, and it's about an hour and forty five minute drive that took us two and a half hours because of the snowstorm. Uh-huh. We get to my grandparents' house. My grandma is now sitting. laying in a hospital bed in their dining room Mm -hmm. and we meet her or we see her and my son meets her and he's the first great grandchild ever to meet her Mm -hmm. and so we get there and she I say holds him we basically kind of like set him up on her while she's sitting there she puts her hand on her and they take one picture with him and she passed away about 15 minutes later and uh, getting there that day was a story I mean it was an experience and we so then she passes away and now Fast forward out of that, Gavin's going to be turning 13 and her husband, my grandfather, is still alive at 92 years old. Really? He was the actual chicken farmer. He was the one actually in the chicken houses. He was the one actually stirring up all the, the chicken junk on the ground and dealing with all that. And he's still just ticking right along. So we have these, you know, you could say, well, living on a farm will do this. Well, I, my family can prove and disprove that mm-hmm. you can say the caretaker Uh, is the one who suffers. Well, my family can disprove that. My grandfather who passed away with Alzheimer's during his life, he built houses. He did all this stuff. He was extremely active and he was very smart, a very, very smart, refined man. Mm -hmm. Got Alzheimer's and it changed his whole life. So we can't predict the future, but what we can do is we can look at the things we can control. We can understand what the goals of our family are and make sure that we have plans that are built that says, well, if health goes the way we plan and hope, which Kimberly tells me we're going to die at like a hundred holding hands in our sleep, like The Notebook. Yes. If That's it goes according my to my husband too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like and I'm not
1: it, I'm not being on this plan without you. So. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: well, if, if prepare we go, yourself, sir. <laughs> oh yeah, and if that happens, great. But. But what happens if it yeah, doesn't? Yeah. You know, how do we make sure that if something happens to me, that Kimberly and the kids are taken care of, or we get old and the kids they're off the payroll? I don't care; they can take care of themselves how do I make sure Kimberly's taken care of if we're in our sixties and something happens or, or even sometimes, and this is going to sound bad. It can be more difficult if it's not a death, but a serious level of disability. Yep. You know, where are all of a sudden now a stroke happens and you have to care for someone. Um, and the, and the care is an expense and it's a very, Difficult physically it's on the mentally
1: taxing, too. And, oh, and yeah. it's all the taxes of, of a traumatic event like that. Mental, physical, financial.
0: Yeah, it's, it's exhausting. It's a lot. And that's so what much. that's what those conversations happen, you know, because again, nobody wants to talk about those things. We just want to talk about the notebook ending. But right. when we sit down with people, we say, let's make sure we've built a plan. We want to hear your story. We need to hear about your family and your histories because they matter. Because if you've watched someone go through difficult times because of health and things. You don't want to go through that. And it shapes your expectations and desires for the future.
1: But the whole point is, though, there are things that can be done, right? Like that's when somebody says, I don't I don't know that like you can create this plan so that they don't outlive their money.
0: Yeah, well, because people talk about it as if there's only ever a plan A. Like I can't figure out the variables. So therefore, I will just do X. Right. Rather than saying we're going to have scenarios A, B, C, D and E. And we can build things in place now that protect us regardless of the scenario that plays out. If you live to a 100, great, we've got a plan for that. But we've also put in these safeguards along the way that if something else happens, we're taken care of. We don't want to have something bad happen, Mm -hmm. but we really don't want our legacy to be that because we didn't plan properly for it, that thing that popped up changed our future and our family's future forever. We can't get rid of the what-ifs. We can just give safety nets and preparation that says if they happen We know we're going to be okay.
1: It's just like putting a seatbelt on when you get into the car. When you are going across town or across the country, you put on your seatbelt, not because you intend to end in a car crash, but because you're putting it on just in case something happens. That's the idea and logic behind having these, as Mike was saying, these difficult conversations. But... Putting that plan in place is what's going to work to help protect your family, yourself, your legacy, all the things that are involved. And if you have questions about family history, planning for longevity risk, those kinds of things. Mike and his team are here to help you get some answers. You can find us anytime. Get started today. LifePlanWealth.com. There's a button right there on the front page. Start your retirement roadmap today. That's where you can answer a few questions and begin the conversation with Mike and his team. Again, that's LifePlanWealth.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Michigan's Retirement Coach with Mike Douglas. To learn more, visit LifePlanWealth.com. Michael Douglas is an investment advisor representative of Stewards Wealth Planning, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Michael Douglas is licensed in your state, please call 517-323-7526. Stewards Wealth Planning, LLC is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Michael B. Douglas, N.P number 9650939.